to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Nkefu of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Nkefu is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this grace. Holy Spirit, we thank you for wisdom. We thank you for guidance. We thank you for an anointing for growth and for expansion. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I think that our team is very clear. We know why we are here. We want the Lord to make us a thousand times more. May that be your sorrow in the name of Jesus. I said, may that be your sorrow in the name of the Lord Jesus. This morning, I want to talk about the mega church. Alright? I want to talk about the mega church. Now, the mega church is simply a large church. Um, Bible scholars and um, church people give an empirical definition of a mega church or a church that sees a minimum of a thousand people. Now, many churches, the average church in the world, the average church in the world is 70 people. The average church in the world is 70 people. And so, brothers and sisters, it is important for all of us to desire you know, to become mega church pastors. Look at the right hand. Say, Lord, make me a mega church pastor. Now, one of the things that I normally tell pastors as I travel the nations to preach about church growth is that pastors must not be afraid of the term mega church. You know, sometimes when you say, I'm a mega church pastor, or I want to be a mega church pastor, you, you find pastors, it's almost like, you know, we become afraid. But when we say that the church is a mega church, all that we are saying is that through your ministry, the Lord has used you to bring multitudes of people, to, He has translated them through your ministry from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And what God is doing is to move people from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom. That is what God is doing. And if you are a pastor, that must be your aim. That God will use you in your lifetime through your ministry to bring a lot of people to heaven. How many of you understand that? How many of you want that? And you see, I always say that if a pastor does not have that desire, that pastor cannot have church growth. 
Amen. God willing, tomorrow, I'll be talking to you about uh, the vision uh, for church growth. But this is the starting point. You must understand that the church work that you are doing, it is not your idea. It is God's idea. Can I have an amen? I mean, you, you, you didn't just call yourself a pastor. You didn't just make yourself a pastor. You, you felt God leading you. Hallelujah. A pastor is a servant. Lift up your right hand and say, I'm a servant. Hallelujah. Now, a servant is somebody who carries out the dictates, the instructions, the commands of his master. So as pastors, we must understand what is it that God wants to do. Amen. We must understand what is it that God wants to do. And God wants to save the whole wide world. That's what God wants to do. God wants to save the whole wild world. That's what God wants to do. Can you imagine there are over 7 billion people on earth today and God wants to save all. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible says that who, who want all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Take note of that. Eh? Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved. God doesn't want some men to be saved. God doesn't want some portion of men to be saved. But God wants all men to be saved. So if you are a pastor, you must have the heart that God has. You must have the heart that God has. And the heart God has is that God wants all men to be saved. Hallelujah. I'm trying to let you understand what the mega church um, is about. That if you are a pastor, you must desire that God will use you to build a mega church. You must have at least 1,000 people seated in your church on a Sunday morning. May that be your portion. May that come to pass in your life. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it's very important. Is it because? Because, unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know whether it happens in Sierra Leone, but in my country, you can see that there's a trend. Once a pastor can have a few people, he's able to pay his salary, he's able to send his children to school, you know, he's able to get a little uh, car to drive. He's okay. He's okay. I mean, his aim in ministry has been achieved. But what is your aim in ministry? You must not have any aim in ministry. Your aim in ministry must be God's aim. And what is God's aim? God's aim is that who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the aim of God. And if you are a pastor, that is what you must be thinking about. That is what must consume you. What God wants is what you must want. Your little salary, your little house, your little car is not a definition of the heart of God. The heart of God is that all men 
will be saved. Hallelujah. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, look at the scripture. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, Lord, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, once again, you can see there. You can see the heart of God. You see, the reason why many of you have little, little churches and your church is not growing is because you don't have the heart of God. When I say you don't have the heart of God, your heart is not thinking in the way that God is thinking. Your desire is not the desire of God. Have an amen. Now, once you realign yourself to the heart of God, God will begin to use you to do great things. And the desire of God, the heart of God, is that God does not will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can I have an amen? So I'm just trying to, you know, whip up your appetite to become a mega church pastor. Don't be afraid to become a mega church pastor. Look at the right hand. Say, I am not afraid to become a mega church pastor. If you are afraid to become a mega church pastor, then what you are saying is that the word of God is not true. God said in Deuteronomy 1.11, He said, I will make you a thousand times more. Hallelujah. God is not afraid to give you a thousand times more. As a matter of fact, God is waiting. In Psalm 2 and verse 8, God says, Ask of me, and I will give you the hidden for thy inheritance, and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. God is saying, Ask of me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I want to give you the hidden. I want to give you the uttermost part. Hallelujah. God says, Ask of me. God is not afraid. God is not afraid to fill your church with 50,000 people. Amen? God is not a- a- afraid to give you 70,000 people. God is not afraid to give you 25,000 people. Can I have an amen? He said in, um, in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 37, He said, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of of Israel to do it for them. I will multiply them with men like a flock. God is saying, I will yet for this. In other words, the people of Israel have been asking for so many other things, but there is one thing that I wish they could ask. I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. To do what? I will increase them with men like a flock. God says, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been waiting. So, I'm just trying to say that this theme is very, very appropriate. And it is critical. It is a critical theme. It is a critical message. And we must accept it, we must desire it, and we must want it. Hallelujah. Now, even before you desire church growth, even before you desire for God to use you to have a large church, all right, you must understand why 
Church growth is important. A large church is important. You see, human beings, at the end of the day, human beings, we are selfish. Every human being is selfish. What, what do I mean by that? In other words, in whatever we are doing, we ask ourselves, how does it benefit me? How does it benefit? Yeah. And, and, and that thing was put in us. Alright? It is only when it becomes negative. Negative selfishness. Where now, all that you think about it yourself, that it becomes a problem. But whatever you are doing, you have to ask yourself, how does it benefit me? So why must a pastor desire to have a large church? Why? Why is it important to have a large church? So at this session, I'm going to attempt by the help of the Spirit of God to give you some of the reasons why a large church is important. Now, reason number one. You must, you must desire to have a large church because it is the most appropriate vision of every pastor. You must desire to have a large church, a mega church, a mega church, because it is the most appropriate vision. It is the most appropriate vision for every pastor and every minister. How many of you are pastors? Can I see my hand? How many of you are pastors? How many of you are pastors? Alright, how many of you are church workers? We are church workers. Okay, so we are largely pastors and church workers here. Alright, so we are all ministers. Alright. Now, this is the first reason why you must want a large church. Because it is the most appropriate vision. Now look at me, everybody. Look. Any organization that exists has a vision and a mission. Banks exist to make more profits. That is why every quarter of the year they declare their profits. And then they see whether they are making more, they have stagnated or they have gone down. Because they are interested in making more profits. Banks, political parties are interested in gaining more votes. True or false? True. Getting more votes. There is no political party, you know, that is existing and saying, look, I don't want this type of people. I don't want this type of people. I don't want this type. Even if they don't want some people, for the sake of the election, they want them. They like them. Because that is their aim. To have more people voting for them. A football striker who plays number nine has a vision. His vision is to put the ball into the net as often as he can. And if you are a striker and you don't put the ball, when we give you the ball in the 18, you are playing over the bar, sideways, you are falling down, and you will be changed right now. Because you have lost your vision. Because your vision is to put the ball into the net as often as you can. Now, what is the vision of a pastor? What is your vision? Why are you a pastor? As a pastor, your vision must be that a lot of people will come into the kingdom of God. Jesus met Peter and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. 
Alright? They were fishing and he said, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. Now, I want you to continue to be fishes, but this time, you are going to fish for men. You are not going to fish for ordinary fish, but you are going to fish for men. And the most appropriate vision for every pastor must be to have a large church. Because a large church means more people have been saved. More people have been saved means that the blood of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross is not in vain. But you see, but you see, many of us pastors, we don't have that vision. Yeah. Most of us pastors today, we want money. We want money. We want to be rich. We want to drive nice cars. We want to dress well. We want to build houses. We want to be famous. We want to travel around the world. That is the vision for most of us pastors. If we are going to be honest with ourselves. And that is why the church is empty. Because the growth of the church starts from the heart. The growth of the church. So the prayer of Jabez. He says, enlarge my course. You see, that was what was in his heart. That was what was in his heart. Enlarge my course. Many of us today, you don't, when you look at us, you cannot differentiate our ministries and the way we do our things from businessmen. We look like businessmen. We want what the world wants. We want the flashy cars. You know, my father in ministry, Bishop Dad, he's an amazing man of God. Now, the Lighthouse Chapel International, your, your, your bishop I've seen, the Lighthouse Chapel International is one of the richest denominations anywhere in the world. You, you can lift Lighthouse Chapel International and go and put it in America. It will complete over. We have properties all over. We took 1.2 pounds to buy a cathedral in London. Just like cash. 1.2 pounds. 1.2 million pounds. Like this. We are building buildings all over. In my, my cathedral, where I, I, I serve as the, the bishop, last year alone, within one year, I undertook 22 building projects from the income of my church and the churches that I oversee. Now, this man, all of us, his bishops, he has built houses for us, he has given us cars. We all drive four-wheel drives. Now, when, when we park our car and he parks his car, you will not know who is in charge of this denomination. You know the car that he drives? He drives a pickup. He drives a pickup. Is that how you call it here? Yeah? A pickup. A pickup. That's what he drives. A man that God has sent all over the world. But you see, it shows you his heart. It shows you his heart. One of the reasons why many of us are not doing well in the ministry is because our heart is different from what God wants our heart to be. You have left the ministry. But Howard was just telling us, if you want the Lord to enlarge your course, be involved. You have left the ministry, you are walking around. Now these days you can even see pastors. You have started a little ministry, 
You have some 100 people, 150 people there, you know, and then now you are a bishop. You are an apostle, sister and so. And then you walk around, you stay in the church, you are becoming an attendant minister. Moving around. Moving around. Instead of concentrating and, and building, and one of the reasons why we are moving around, it's not that we want to preach, it's because we want money. We want recognition. We want honor. You see, but what you must understand is that in the ministry, it is God that promotes you. You know, Bishop Dad, and Pastor, Pastor Mesa is here. He will attest to everything that I'm saying. But I didn't even know that he was, he was coming to preach it. Now listen, Bishop Dad, when he started the ministry, for about the first about, probably about 15 years, he did not go anywhere. <laughs> he was at our cathedral, our first headquarters. That's where I am now. He was there, teaching us, training us to become pastors, sending us from camp meetings, building branches. Before anybody could see it in Ghana, Lila Chapel International has spread to many places. Before Bishop Dark started moving around. He's been to so many people in the, in the world. In fact, he cannot even fulfill the invitations. When he came here for the healing Jesus Christ, those of you who uh, saw it, you can see that just the sheer massive nature of the crusade. Alright? There's no support coming from anywhere. The crusade is supported by Lighthouse Chapel International. The church that he has built is what is now sending him Around, okay. Right now he's in uh, Zimbabwe and some other places, and he was telling us the other time that that crusade is costing more than one million dollars. How do you get one million dollars? You get one million dollars when you have built a successful church. Stay in the church, pastor. Stay there and give your life, give your energy, give your strength, give your wisdom, give your ability to build that church. Stop moving around. Stop looking for money. The most appropriate vision of a pastor must be to see that God has used you to build a large ministry. That is what attracted me to come. When Bishop Laga, you know, when I saw, I saw, I sensed his desire. I sensed his desire. And, and, and I thought, that, wow, this is somebody that, you know, if I have anything, I would like to help him with. Yes, he wants more. You must, you must want more people. If your church is 20, you must want it to become 100. If it is 100, you must want it to become 400. If it is 400, you must want it to become 1,000. You must want that God will use you to bring more people into the kingdom. Rabbi, amen. That is the first reason why you must have a mega church. Clap your hands for the Lord. Number two, the second reason why you must have a mega church, you must desire a mega How many of you are going to desire to have a mega church? How many of you? Now, if you don't desire to have a mega church, after this session, don't come again. You are wasting your time. You are just wasting your time. And this conference, we are not here to talk about money. We are here to talk about how to build a church. Alright? I intend... You know, when we talk about 
the Lord making us a thousand more times or church growth. Okay, there are two ways in which it happens. Growing the local church to become thousands, that is number one. And number two, growth through having many branches. So in the morning, I'll be talking about how we can grow the local church into thousands. And in the evenings, I'll be talking about how we can expand the church through having branches. Hallelujah. Because that is what we believe in. Light Chapel International, that is the vision that God has given to us. To build large churches and to have thousands of branches. I was telling Bishop Lagada this year alone, in April, all right, I sent out my disciples and they planted 14 churches. And I have another over a 40 disciples that I'm training to send them out again. We are building churches, you know, more and more and more. And then we are growing the churches. We are growing the churches. Now, so number two, the second reason why you must have a mega church is that God wants his church to be full. God wants his church to be full. I want us to read from Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 from verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. Just hold them there. Look at me. Jesus is talking about the church. His expectation of the church. And he said, A certain man uh, made a great supper and bade many. Take note of that. Jesus is talking about a great supper that has a lot of people. The church that Jesus is looking at for your church, the reason why God called you, the reason why God has raised you up, wherever he has brought you from, is for you to call for a great supper and to beg for many to come and eat at your supper. Not a few people. Not 50 people. Not 20 people. Not 30 people. Hallelujah. There is one mindset that I am praying for every pastor here that it will lead you by the end of this conference. And that is the mindset for a small church. The mindset for a small church must leave you. It must leave you. Lift up your right hand. Say the mindset for a small church must leave me. I'm a mega church pastor from today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He made a great supper and bade many. Wow. Continue. And send his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are ready. So a pastor has, we are the servants that Jesus, we are the servants that Jesus has sent to go and tell this well that salvation is ready, that salvation is available, that God loves them, to tell this world not a few people, not some few people in the street, some, a street corner somewhere, but to tell the whole world, we are the servants. Go and call the people and tell them that everything is set. Continue. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground and I must need to go and see it. I pray they have me excuse. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxygen and I go to prove them. I pray they have me excuse. 
And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So, all the people that were bidding to come for the, the, the supper, they all gave excuses. But look at what happened in verse 21. Verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the bring in either the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Just stay there. Watch, watch this. The Bible said, Then the master of the house being angry. Are you angry that your church is small? Or you are comfortable? How angry are you? I mean, look, honestly, many of us, we don't bother whether 12 people come, or 2 people come, or 50 people come, or 200 people come. Because at the end of the month, there is some offering to pay our bills. You have reduced the ministry to your personal welfare. The ministry cannot be reduced to your personal welfare. When Jesus, the Son of God, was sent from heaven to come to die on the cross. You know, this, this, this are, these are the reasons why, you know, our churches don't grow. We have the wrong attitudes. Tomorrow morning, I'll be sharing with you certain attitudes that a pastor needs to have before you can experience church growth. Yes. Look at that. He was angry. God is not happy. Do you think that God is happy that most of the world is going to heaven, is going to hell? How many of you think that God is smiling with the angels? Oh, very happy. I mean, they are just giving each other, you know, high five that most people on earth are going to hell. Do you think God is happy? But you and I, many of us, we are happy. We have no burden. We have no burden. But Paul said on the people of, of Israel, he said, I have a continuous burden. He said, I wish that me, my son, will be a curse so that my people will be saved. When Jesus saw multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. The Bible said, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. For they fainted and were scattered as sheep without a shepherd. That is the heart of God. He was moved with compassion. We cannot be happy. We cannot, we, we cannot, you know, rejoice. We cannot sit at ease when most of the people to whom we have been called are on their way to hell. And yet, that is what is happening in many of us, our churches. That is why pastors can specialize in watching television. Oh yeah. Yeah. You watch TV. I mean, your, speci- your specialty is your TV programs. You have no time to pray. You have no time to study the word of God. You have no time to, to do outreach, to do evangelism, to build a church because of useless socializing. And it, it is like that because there is no desire to see God using you to do a great thing. May that mindset leave you from today in the name of the Lord Jesus. The servant, the master was angry. And now he said, go out there. The people that I call, they don't want to come. Go and call everybody. Verse 22. Verse 22. Verse 22. 
And the servant said, Lord, it is done. As thou hast commanded. And yet, there is room. Now watch this. Let me ask you a question. How many pastors here have room for more people in your church? Lift up your hand. When I say pastors, uh, church workers, we are all pastors. Because we, are, we are all pastors. So how many of us, pastors and church workers in our churches, we have room? Do you have room? I have room. I have room in my church. God has blessed our church, my cathedral, with thousands of people. And it comes on a Sunday morning, only our children alone, our youth ministry alone is at a thousand children. Yeah. We have thousands of people. But I have room. We run six outdoor services on a Sunday morning, but I have room. I have room. I need more. I am crying for more. But you have 25 people, 1, 2, 3, 25 people in a room that can sit 200 people, and then you are happy. You are happy. You, look, Jalaga, do you know what I tell our pastors when I go around the missions? Recently, I was having a conference like this in Kenya, and I was telling the pastors, I said, I said, if you're a pastor and your church is not growing, you should not have erections to sleep with your wife. I question, I question your frequent erections to make love to your wife. I question it. I question it. Because you see, I'll show you as a medical doctor that without erection, you must have a lot of happiness in your mind. Yeah. There are some special happy chemicals, they are called endorphins. They are released in your mind and it gives you happiness and enjoyment. That is what, you know, excites you and it brings about erection. When your church is 24 people, when for 3 years the church is 35 people, when for 10 years all that you have in the church is 70 people, 45 adults and 30 children, for 10 years. And then every night, you are excited to be sleeping with your wife. I question your calling. And I'm not joking. When you wake up and excitement comes, you look at yourself and say, listen, this is not the time. This is the time to go and pray. This is the time to go and wait upon the Lord. This is the time to go and study. This is the time to go and cry on the Lord. This is the time. Can I have an amen? He was so happy. He said, go out there. Once there is room, look at verse 22 again. Once there is room, and the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room, and yet there is room. Listen to me, pastor. Once there is even one space, you cannot sleep. You are not allowed to sleep. You are not. And if you fill the whole space, break out. Go and look for a bigger space. Now let me give you one key to church growth. One of the keys to church growth is that always have a lot of space in your church. Always. Always. So now, if this is, if your hall can take 200 people and you have 50 people, 
fill the church with 200 chairs. So that when you go to church and you look at the chairs, the church will be speaking to you. <laughs> the church will be speaking to you. Yeah. I used to ask my members when the church was very small in 2008 when we started. You know, I said, I said, everybody look at the spaces behind you. And then I'll give them instruction. Go and touch a chair and tell them you are occupied. You are occupied. Those same pews, as we have prophesied over them over the years, now those pews have been filled up a couple of times. Can I have an amen? So, the servant comes, look at verse 22 again. He said, look, I've done everything. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Verse 23. Verse 23, look at it. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out. Now, watch me. How many times so far has he sent him out? The first time? The second time? Eh? And then the third time? Why? The first time, listen to this, oh, listen to this. The first time he sent him, it was to invite those who were invited. The second time, he was angry that, look, those people didn't come. said, okay, I cannot have an empty supper. Go and bring anybody, the halt, the lame, the poor, and everything. All right? By the way, pastors, by the way, pastors, there is another key for church growth. If you want your church to grow, listen to this. If you want your church to grow, Forget the polished people of society. Yeah. Go back to verse 21. Let me just take my time to share a few things with you. Look, I have so many things, you know. You can ask Bishop Laga. We, we don't preach for one hour. Alright? I can preach, I can preach six, seven hours straight. Straight. Okay, so I have, I have my, my, my bowels are 2-4. Hallelujah. Now, so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then, then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in watch. Bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. We have another translation, maybe NIV. Now look at the people. Watch. You want rich people. You want members of parliament. You want government officials. You want educated people. Okay? The gospel. Listen to this. Alright? The gospel. Look at me everybody. The gospel is for the poor. Lift up your right hand. Say the gospel is for the poor. The gospel is for the poor. If you want to see church growth, the gospel is for the poor. Go for the poor people. Go for the ordinary people. Go for them. Love them. Teach them the word of God. And as the years go by, God is going to touch their lives and lift them up to become the great people that you want to see in life. Ordinary people. Hallelujah. Now, what did Jesus say? Luke chapter 4 and verse 8 When he went to church He said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me Because he has anointed me To preach the gospel To the poor To the poor 
Hallelujah. In Matthew 11, when John the Baptist in prison sent his servant to go and find out from Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one that should come? Are you the Messiah? What did Jesus say? Look at it. What did Jesus say? Matthew 11. And it came to pass from verse 1, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, verse 3, and said unto them, Are thou he that come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Now look at it, everybody. Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. When Jesus was affirming his message, he said one of the things is that the gospel is preached to the poor. Pastors, look at me. Alright, forget about Polish people. Rich people don't come to church. Don't waste your time. I'm not saying don't witness to rich people. But I'm saying that don't make it your emphasis. You want your church to grow? The gospel is for the poor. As of rich people, Jesus said, how hardly will a rich man into the kingdom, will enter into the kingdom of God? How hardly? How hardly? The ordinary people, the weak people, people who are sick, people who are confused, people who are down and out, these are the people who believe the gospel. We must feel, look, when you come to my cathedral, Bishop, Bishop Lager, eh? I have, I have students, young people, my church is made up of young people. When, when, when I'm taking an offering, I call the barest amount of money they can give, they don't have. They, they don't have. They don't have. Yeah. But you see, when your church is even made up of poor people, and if they are a lot, you have a lot of money. Why? Because if all of them can give a little, Last year, I was um, in the presence of the Lord. There is uh, a program that I run in the city every year. It's called a church group conference where we bring pastors from uh, across the denominations to encourage them to grow. There are thousands of people. This year, when we had it, thousands of pastors and church workers were there. And last year, I was in the presence of God praying about how to, you know, raise up monies to support the program and all that. And the Lord told me, He said, I have given you a lot of people. He said, I have given you a lot of people. He said, just select 500 of them. 500 of them. And ask each of the 500 to give you 10 Ghana cities. Now, 10 Ghana cities is $2.5. $2.50. Ask each of them to give you 10. And when the 500 give you 10, you are going to get 50,000 cities, which is $12,500. And the Lord said, 
we can do a lot of it. I call this one, Pastor Sami. I call this one. And I said, this is what the Lord has told me. So we, 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 we got a 500 and we divided them. We divided them. You know, now, instead of me waiting for somebody to come and give me How many people can give you $10,000? Once or twice in your lifetime. But even when you have a lot of people and they are all giving a little offering, the income in my church is very huge. Look, you'll be amazed where does the money come from when you look at the people. When you come to church on Sunday, all right, most of the time, the car park is empty because there are no cars. We bring our people in buses. On a Sunday, we run about, about 80 buses, about 80 buses to bring the people from different places. They don't have cars. They don't have cars. And yet, we have taught them to pay tight. And so you see somebody paying a tight of 5 Ghana cities, 10 Ghana cities. Occasionally, you get somebody who pays a tight of 10 now. 1,000 Ghana cities, when you put it together, by the sheer number of people that are there, the income of the church is good. So, pastors, the Lord is showing you. Forget about taking a picture of your member of parliament who comes to your church. Forget about it. I mean, you're always on oh, oh, can I? And then you are present in front of your church. They don't believe in what you are saying. They don't respect you. Come on, put the ordinary people in the church. When, did, when was the last time you saw Jesus taking a picture of Herod? Or Pontius Pilate? Jesus, one, one of the criticisms against Jesus was because he was always among the poor and the sinners. In Luke chapter 15, they criticized him. They criticized him. God says we want to be among the, the big people in society. Forget about them. We were called to go and win souls. And I tell you, most of those souls are poor people and ordinary people. Can I have an amen? I'm sharing with you reasons why you must have a mega church. Reason number one is because that is the most appropriate vision. Reason number two. Because God wants his house, his church, to be full. Hallelujah. So go back to Luke 14, 23. Why was this man sending his servants up and down, up and down? Look at it. And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Why? That my house may be filled. God wants his house to be filled. Every person must understand. God wants his house to be filled. That is why you must want a large church. That is why you must desire a large church. Because God wants his church. So every time you come to church and then the place is not full, you must know that you have not fulfilled the vision of God. Can I have an amen? Can I have a believing amen? No, not. Not that you have not done anything, you have done something. Earlier this year, I was invited to um, a certain country to go and preach as their guest speaker for their, uh, I think their, 
their 25th or so anniversary of the, of, of the church. And, and, and the church, you know, had grown um, a couple of branches. They had some, some things that they had. And they have done well. The apostle in charge. But it's when I was speaking to them that I said one thing to them. I said, listen, we have done well so far, but there is no reason to rejoice. There is no reason. Look, I challenge any pastor here to give me the reason for you to rejoice. If you can rejoice, it's because you don't understand the magnitude of the work to which God has called you. Oh yeah. I am never happy with what I have. Every month at my cathedral, we have a business meeting to assess the work that was done in the previous month. It's called a cathedral business meeting, CBM. Now, when you walk into that meeting, you will think that there is nobody in this church. If you don't come and meet the church in session, and you come and meet us at the meeting, where all my pastors and all my key leaders are, and then we are projecting facts and figures. How many attitudes did we do in that uh, month? How many souls did we win? How many were we able to retain? How many have started new convert school? You know, how many people have we trained? And, and as we place different pastors on seats to analyze, you think that the church has only 10 people. No, no that's the feeling that you have. That, that, uh, Dr. Howard was talking about being assertive. You, you come and see the arguments, the, 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 the questioning that is going on there. No, how come? How come that you did an outreach and you won 100 people and only 20 people came to church? Why is it so? Explain it. Hey, when you see us, we are not happy. Even though by the grace of God, God has given us thousands of people. But we are not happy because, because we can have more. We can have more. So God wants you to have a bigger church. God wants you to have many branches. If you have 10 branches, God wants you to have 50. When you get 50, God wants, you know, the pastor that the Lord has used to build the single um, larger church in the world, Dr. Yonggi Cho. And I, I would like to recommend to every pastor here to go to South Korea. It happens every other year. You know, we were there last year. This year we didn't go. 2017, God willing, we'll be going. And Bishop Dark serves on his board of, uh, of, uh, on his board. Look, he was saying that when he started a church, he had five people. He had five people. And he said he preached to the five people as if he was preaching to thousands of people. Actually, as if he was preaching to 300 people because his whole vision was for the, for the Lord to use him to have a church of 300 people. So he was shouting. And so after church, the members will come and say, look, we are only five. One, two, three, four, five. So why are you shouting? Why are you shouting? So he said, I will tell them, it is true we are five, but I see 300. 
He started his church. He started his church in 1958. By 1964, he had 300. By 1972, he had 3,000. He had 3,000. And he said the church stagnated. The church was still growing. And he said, I will cry to the Lord. And I will ask the Lord, did you call me to make me a pastor of only 3,000 people? Did you call me to make me a pastor? I will cry. I will cry. I will lie down before the Lord, crying to the Lord. And then the Lord started increasing. And now, when the church became like 10,000, the Lord told him, He said, If you can have a heart and a desire for 30,000, I'll give you 30,000. Then when the church became 30,000, the Lord said, If only you want and you desire, I'll give you 50,000. And it kept on 50,000, 100,000. 150,000, 200,000, 300,000, 500,000, 500,000. Then, when he got to 500,000, he took a vacation with his wife and told his wife, all throughout this year, we have not gone on vacation. We have just been suffering, burdening the and his wife, and his wife told him, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You have said this over the years. He said, during the time that they were there, the Lord spoke to him. And the Lord said, if you can believe me for 800 people, I'll give you 800 people. So he got out of his prayer, he was coming, and he said, when my wife looked at my face, my wife said, I, I told you. I told you. I told you. I told you. Yes. 800,000. He's retired now. He retired. By the time he retired, the church was 830,000. Yeah. So now, the church is too big for one person to pastor. So he called a couple of his key pastors. The person, Dr. Lee, who is now in charge of the main church, he gave him 400,000. And then divided the other 400,000 among uh, 20 other persons. 20,000, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000, 20,000. Have it. May you receive 20,000. May you receive 20,000. I said, may you receive 20,000. Receive the anointing for 20,000. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Clap your hands for the Lord. How many of you want a mega church? I am saying that by the end of this conference, the mindset for a small church must leave you. It's a demon. It's a demon. It's a demon. A demon has been harassing you. Yeah. Look, what is a ca- forget about it. Forget about it. For- what is a car? Forget about it. You can ask my pastors. Tuesday. Just this Tuesday. Just this Tuesday. I was in the house. When Bishop Dark called me. He said, Bishop, why are you? I said, I'm in the house. He said, come, I want to change your car. I want to change your car. He said, bring your old car. Bring the key. So I just drove to his office. He said, this, this is a car for you. This is a car for you. Look. For security purposes, I can't, I can't mention the amount it costs. 
You won't believe it. Just there. I didn't swear for it. He just called me and said, This is your car. New leather seats. Eh? American made. Big. Shiny. But I'm, I'm, even, I'm even ashamed to drive. God, when I'm driving it, the last few that I've been driving, everybody stops me. Everybody's looking for it. What is a car is not nothing. What did Jesus say? He said, As for you, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto Give the Lord a wonderful cup of friends. the Lord were rich. Genesis chapter 13, 1 and 2, Abraham was very rich. Genesis 26, uh, Isaac was rich. He was rich, he became great, he moved and he became very great. And the Philistines were envious of him. He was rich. Jacob said, I went with my hand, I am coming back as two bands. They were rich. Joseph stepped into the house of Potiphar and the Bible said the Lord was with him and the man was prosperous. He was rich. On the day that Israel left Egypt, all their salary arrears, the money that they have not given to them, the Bible says they spoil the Egyptians. Listen to me. Your house is not a challenge to God. Your car is not a challenge to God. Where you live is not a challenge to God. Give yourself to building the church. Give yourself to building the church. God will provide everything for you. God will give you everything. He will give you everything. He will give you everything. Amen. In 2005, okay, after 16 years of being a lay pastor and a lay shepherd, 16 years, the Lord told me it's enough. And I want you to put aside medicine and come and serve me with everything that you have. As at that time, I started a hospital. I started a hospital in 1998. And in 2004, the Lord said, it's over. God blessed me with one of the biggest private hospitals in Accra. I was the doctor for 40 corporate bodies. Huge ones. Universities. My hospital had a surgical theater. I had an ambulance. I had a laboratory. I had a scan examination machine. I had VIP ward. I had over 30 workers. I was so rich. I was so rich. Because the hospital was my hospital. It belonged to my wife and myself. So at the end of the month, after paying the workers, all the money that was there was our money. And the Lord said, it's over. It's over. And for a couple of years, I've been wanting to come for full-time ministry, but I didn't know what to do with the, with the hospital. And one day Bishop Dad looked at me and said, Bishop Interval, if you really want to serve the Lord, dash this hospital. Dash it. Let it be your sacrifice. Just dash it. Yeah. That's what he told me. And I walked to a doctor of a little clinic and I said, I have the hospital. Do like it. He came. He was very happy. I said, give me something. A little something. And then have it. That was it. That was it. All the people here, they can tell you that story. Bishop Dark talks about it all the time. I just walked away. When I was walking away, all right, I had, I had children. I was coming to the ministry. 
and I know that in the ministry, the salary that I used to pay myself, they couldn't give it to me. My salary eh, was less than one tenth of what I used to pay myself. And I came. It's been more than ten years. And I have good news for you. I have not died. I'm still alive. Bless. 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 Prospect. God has blessed me. He has sent me all over the world. He has sent me all over the world. So one time I was uh, I arrived in America. The, the lady at the immigration took my passports. I said, look, are you a diplomat? I said, why? I said, look. I said, go to, you have gone here, you have gone here, you have gone here, you have gone here. Have gone. What do you do? I said, my pastor. I'm a pastor. Listen, give yourself to building the church. The church is the number one thing. Build it. Build it. Suffer hunger and build it. Suffer pain and build it. But give yourself to it. Paul told Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.15, he said, meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly unto them, and your profit shall appear unto all. Build the house of God. Build the church of God. Build a mega church. Build a big church. Build a big church. Build a big church. The church will take care of you. Stay in the church. Stay with the five members. Stay with the ten members. Love them. Encourage them. Pray for them. Don't leave them walking around. It is too early for you to call yourself an apostle. It's too early. It's too early. You call yourself a bishop. You say, oh, Bishop Laga, we have all been in town here. You know, he's not a bishop. So, based on the number of years that I've known him, we have all been ministry, I'm also a bishop. It, it's not like that. It's not like that. Yeah. Pastor Mesa will tell you, we have, as of now, we have about 35 bishops. And we are going to consecrate some more. If you step into the territory of a lighthouse bishop, nobody will tell you that this is a bishop. Nobody will tell you that this is a bishop. Yeah. Amen. So, know that God wants his house to be full. Number three. The third reason why you must desire to have a mega church is because God's perfected destiny for your church is that the end of your church must be bigger than the beginning. It's because God's perfected destiny for your church is that the latter end of your church will be bigger and more glorious. Hallelujah. Amen. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Job chapter 8 and verse 7. Hallelujah. Though thy beginning was small, I see that. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. Hallelujah. Receive this prophetic word in the name of Jesus. Every pastor here, this is what must inspire you. Yes. This is what must inspire you. The Bible said we must not despise small beginnings. You know, listen to me. Pastors. 
Everything starts small. Anything that you see starts like Elijah. The only person in the Bible who came, we don't know his father, mother, from it was Elijah. The Bible said that Elijah the Tishbite. So only person. We don't know where he came from. The Tishbite. But God normally starts everything small. Hallelujah. But don't contend for the smallness because your latter end should greatly increase. I see a great increase coming to your church. Receive the anointing to grow. Receive the anointing to grow. Receive the grace of God to grow. Your church is growing. From 20, you are going to 100. From 100, you are moving to 300. From 150, you are going to 400. From 50, you are going to 250. There is a growth that is coming. Receive that growth now. Receive that growth now. It is by the grace of God. It is by the anointing of God. There is a release of an anointing right now for your church to grow. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Go greater. Your 500 member church is becoming a thousand. Your thousand member church is becoming 3,000, 5,000, 10,000. Receive it. Today you have five branches, but you are moving on to 20 branches. You don't have any branch at all. You are moving to 10 branches. You are moving to 20 branches. You are moving to 50 branches. You are moving to 100 branches. You are moving to 300 branches. Receive it in the name of Jesus. 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 Clap your hands and lift up your voice and give the Lord a shout. Oh, give the Lord a shout. Now, be guided by this. Every year, ask yourself, have I moved forward? And move forward every year. Move forward every year. Now watch. Watch. The church doesn't grow exponentially necessary, but the church grows. Don't expect that. Don't expect. Don't expect that. Today your church is 20. And next year, your church will be 1,000. Even you don't have faith for that. Even you don't have faith for that. And the reason why sometimes we get discouraged in ministry is because we try to aim at things that our faith doesn't match up. But what is important is that the ch- your church must grow. So if last year, 2015, you ended 2015 with uh, 50 people. This year, are you hitting 100? Are you hitting 70? Are you hitting 80? Do you understand it? You have added about 30 more people or 40. So, compared to 2015, the church has grown. And then, as we are preparing to enter into 2017, you are believing God for another growth. You should not be happy when the church is always there. The same figure. And listen to me. Look at me, pastors. Do you know that your church can actually finish? The church can actually finish. Instead of growing, the church can actually finish until you are left with no one. Yes. So 2014, your church was 50 people. 2015, it was 30. And this year, you can see it. That now the church is 15 people. It's a sign to you. Your church is finished. 
So you must rise up and say, no, that is not my prophetic destiny. My prophetic destiny is that though my beginning was small, yet my latter end should greatly. Now, take, take note of the word. Put the scripture there. God didn't say that your latter end should increase. He said, your latter end should greatly. Verse 7. Job 8, 7. Job 8, 7. He said, your latter end should greatly. That is multiplication. That is growth. Can you give me back the scripture? Job 8, 7. Hallelujah. Watch it. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. Should greatly increase. Should greatly increase. Yeah. That is what God has done in the life of Bishop Dad. The church that he started with a few nursing students, a few laboratory technician students, 20, 30 people, is the church, you know, this year, this year, um, we, actually last year, last year we decided to, every, every Good Friday, we used to meet at the Kodesh, the church is in Accra. So we'll come together. And then we realize that even though the Kodesh is very big, Bishop knows there, we have many, many, uh, several halls. We, 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 we could not, we could not fit there anymore. So we decided to use our independent square last year. Now, the Ghana Independent Square is the second largest public square in the whole world. The first, the first one, or the biggest one, is uh, um, Tiananmen Square in China. Tiananmen Square. The second one is the Independent Square in Ghana. So last year we decided to use it. Now, we filled it. Then this year we decided that, okay, we'll use it again. The churches in Accra and its environs, there were over 100,000 people there. We invited our president. He sat on the stage. And then later he was given the opportunity to address the congregation. And he was amazed. And he told the bishop, on Independence Day, which is 6th March of this year, he said, I was at this square. And I could not gather one-sixth of the congregation here. It's a national event too. The national event where all the school children, all the civil servants, the, the soldiers, and all, they all gather. And the president was telling Bishop Doug, I couldn't gather one sister, but you have filled this place. 100,000 people. And that is not, that is Lighthouse, Accra, and even not everybody came. Now, what explains that? What explains a church that starts with 20 people, 30 people, and then a part of it gathers and it's over 100,000 people? The fulfillment of the prophetic destiny. Though the beginning was born, yet the latter end should greatly increase. May that be your story in the name of Jesus. May that be your story. I want you to lift up your two hands right now and tell the Lord to let this, that this come to pass in your life. Ask this person can say, Lord, let my end, let my latter end greatly increase. Lift up your hands and pray for it right now. Pray for it right now. Pray for it right now. 
3,000 people were added to the church. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Pastors, listen to me. Listen to me, pastors. Never forget this statement that I'm going to make. There is no place on earth which is too hard for the Holy Spirit to build a church. Sometimes, pastors, we say, oh, the place is too hard. The people don't respond. If the Holy Spirit is there, it is possible. And have an amen. Wherever God has placed you, if the Holy Spirit is there, if the Holy Spirit is in your life, if you are operating with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will use you to build a successful church. Just about two days ago, I received a text message from one of our missionaries in another country. He said, Bishop, I am tempted to leave this place because things are not working. But this somebody who was with me and he built a successful church before he was sent there. So I told him, I told him, I said, I said, the Holy Spirit in Ghana is not different from the Holy Spirit in this country. I mentioned this country. I told him it's not different. It's the same Holy Spirit. But he responded. He said, Bishop, you have woken me up. You have said something that has woken me up. Because it is true. It is true. Pastors, the Holy Spirit that added thousands of people to the early church is the same Holy Spirit today. He is today the Lord of the harvest. I hope I can get the opportunity to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and the mega church. And I will teach you how you must connect and serve the Holy Spirit to help you to build a large church. I shall go home. Now, so by Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, 3,000. Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, 5,000 more entered the church. 5,000. Acts chapter 4 and verse 4. 5,000. Acts chapter 5 and verse 14. Now, the Bible says, And multitudes were added to the Lord, both of men and women. Multitudes. Multitudes. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. The Bible says, And when the number of the disciples multiplied, multiplied, Acts chapter 11, multitudes were added to the church. All throughout, you see, multitudes being added. Multitudes being added. So the biblical example of church eh, was a church that had thousands of people. And that is what you and I must follow. We must not settle for a few people. Hello? I said we must not settle for a few people. Now look at me, every pastor, everybody here. When you enter your, your church, I don't know when you go there, but the next time you enter there, when you step into the church, declare I'm a mega church pastor. Say it to yourself. Say in the name of Jesus. When you enter the church, say in the name of Jesus, I'm a mega church pastor. Yes. Because that's what you must be. That is what you must be. Every pastor here, I declare to you, your aim must to have at least 1,000 people in your church. Can you receive that? Your aim was very weak. I said your aim must be to have at least 1,000 people in your church. And it will come to pass. 
It will come to pass. Listen, any pastor here who has 20 members, 30 members, eh, let me tell you something. Your 20 members, your 30 members, your 50 members, your 100 members can become thousands. You say, Bishop, how do you know? I have been involved in starting churches, many churches. Even as a lay pastor, when I was a lay pastor, I was involved in pioneering seven churches. Now, three of those churches are pastored by bishops today. Have grown to be thousands of members. The God that has given you the 50 people is the same God that can give you 1,000, 500, 300, 2,000, 3,000. I want every pastor here begin to think in hundreds and thousands. Put your two hands on your head and say to yourself, I am moving into hundreds and thousands. Say your conviction, I am moving to hundreds and thousands. I am moving to hundreds and thousands. Yes. Amen. And those of you who want to be called apostles and pastors, we are waiting. We are to have large churches and many branches so we can concentrate you properly. You don't just call yourself a pastor. Huh? What is that? I'm not a bishop because I'm calling myself a bishop. I am overseeing, as I'm speaking, over 400 churches. Out over 400 churches that I'm overseeing. That fall under my direct oversight. So, so it's not a title. It is a work. It's a job. I decide issues all the time. I was telling Bishop and his office that I'm working all the time. I was eating at breakfast when I got a call from London. I'm working all the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So your church is going to become an example of a biblical church. Listen, pastors, when you go home, when you go home, okay, when you go home, while you pray, you study, I want you to type, I want you to type the number of people that you want to see your church in the next five years. Type it and paste it there like this. Paste it there. In the next five years. We are in 2016. If the Lord doesn't come, he gives us life. In 20, by 2021, how many people do you want to see in your church? How many people? Put it there. Every day look at it. Every day look at it. You rise up one day in your church and you see that you have that number of people sitting in your church. Because you see, that thing is going to move you. Hallelujah. Quickly, next one. Next one. You must decide to have a large church because it will help you to have a lot of workers to help you in your church. You must desire to have a mega church because a mega church will help you to have a lot of workers in your church. Hello? Now, to build a successful church, you need a lot of people to help you. Many of you in your churches, your helpers are tired. Because that same helper is the armor bearer, is a prayer leader, praise and worship leader, choir leader, 
everywhere. Five or six of them, you send them at their very time. Their very time. And you cannot have a lot of people to help you unless the congregation is very large. When the congregation is very large, you can have a lot of people to help you. And when you have a lot of people to help you, then a lot of work can be done. Yes. You can have a lot of uh, elders. You can have a lot of pastors. You can have a lot of leaders. You can have a lot, a lot of administrators. You can have a lot of cell, cell leaders. A lot of people. When I meet with my leaders on Sunday afternoon, to take them through teaching. I can have 500 plus people sitting down. 500 plus. These are all people who work for me. Doing different things. We run our, our church is a cell based church. And we have over 400 cells. And most of those 400 cells, each one of them is run by two people. So you can imagine the number of people who are available to work. That is the power of the mega church. It releases a lot of people. When you go to Dr. Yongichon's church for the conference, on a Friday morning, he gathers 150,000 workers to fill a stadium to pray. 150,000. Wow. How many of you want a mega church now? I want to see. Do you want a mega church? How many of you are convinced that a mega church is very important? You are going to have a mega church. I said you are going to have a mega church. I said you are going to have a mega church. Hallelujah. Amen. How many reasons do you have? Five. Let me give you two quickly. Then I conclude. I have 25. I'll give you 25. I have 25. I'll give you 25. Number 6. Number 6. You must have a mega church because a mega church releases a lot of prayer against the forces of darkness. You must have a mega church because a mega church releases a lot of prayer against the forces of darkness. Hallelujah. Eh? What did Paul say? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. He said, For we rest not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Hallelujah. Eh? These are the people, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Pastors, listen. As you are working, Satan is also fighting you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, he said, A great door and effectual is open unto me, but there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. Wizards, witches, juju men, demons are fighting against you. Hallelujah. And that is why we need to release a lot of prayer. But you see, a lot of prayer can be possible 
not only from the pastor's own prayers, but also from the prayers of the people in the church. So one of the things that brings about church growth is massive, organized, constant prayer in the church. And to have prayer going on all the time, you need a lot of people. You need a lot of people. You need a lot of people to pray. A lot of people. Now in my church, we have organized different prayer strategies. Every month, the first week of the month, the whole church prays. We pray from Monday to Friday. The whole church. We pray on our own and in the evenings we gather to pray. Every day, my pastors must pray. Hallelujah. Every day, my pastors must pray. My lay pastors, alright, my lay pastors, I listen to me, my lay pastors must pray, my lay pastors must pray two hours. Now, please, it's okay, it's okay, please. What I'm saying is very important. This is a distraction, please. It's a distraction. Don't, don't listen. Don't, don't watch that. Look, look at me. I'm talking about prayer. Prayer is the power for ministry. Okay. My shepherds, my leaders must pray at least one hour every day. My lay pastors must pray at least two hours every day. My full-time pastors must pray at least five hours every day. It goes on all the time. Then at the same time, we have what we call prayer rotation. Where we have divided the whole church into small groups. So every day one group comes to pray. I'm talking about what happens in my church. Every day. So from Monday to, to, to another Monday, for 30 days in a month, every day one group is praying. Every day one group is praying. Every day one group is praying. And just about two weeks ago, we started another, we call it what, prayer hut. Pastors prayer, prayer rotation. Pray every day. How many pastors are praying? They are praying. Every day. Every day. So every day is covered with prayer. Every day is covered with prayer. Now, when you have a few people, when you have a few people, they can pray. But they have to go to they have to go to work. They have family issues. They have to travel. So there's no prayer. And pastors, listen to me. You need to release a bombardment of prayer all the time against the forces of darkness. For a great door and effectual is open to you for you to do great things for the Lord. But there are many adversaries. There are many enemies. There are demons that have been released to scatter your people. To scatter your people. To scatter them. Recently, one of our of our services dropped like a door like about 200 people. We couldn't find them. The service just dropped away. Demons of backsliding, demons of heads or offenses, demons of lusts, demons of recreation. Are being released and multiplied all the time. We need to fight with prayer. So that is why you need a mega church. Because a mega church makes, makes sure that you have a lot of people who can help you to pray. 
Can I have an amen? amen. How many of you understand that? Is it powerful? How many of you believe what I'm talking about? Amen. And since you are tired, let me give you one more, then we'll go. I'm not tired, you are tired. The last one, number seven. Okay, the seventh reason why you might desire a mega church is because a mega church generates more income, which allows you to carry out the vision of the Lord that He has given to you. A mega church generates more income, and more income allows you, alright, to carry out the vision that God has given to you. I'll say it again. A mega church, you must desire for a mega church because a mega church generates more income. And more income will allow you to carry out the vision that the Lord has given to you. Pastors, look at me. Many of you, there are things that you want to do for the Lord, but you can't do it because there's no money. Oh yeah. Oh yes. You want to build a Bible school for the Lord, you can't do it. Those who start branches, you can't do it. There's no money. It takes money to start branches. Hello? There are so many things that you want to do. How many pastors here have things that you want to do for the Lord? The Lord has placed things on the Can I see your hand? Huh? Yes. And you can't do it. You can't do it because there's no money. The church's income is not a lot. Now, when the church grows, like I, I explained earlier on, even if most of your people are poor, the income will still be good. Oh yes. And that will allow you to do all the things that you want to do. You want to have an orphanage. You can do it. Amen. And you see, don't build your church on donation from people. Yeah, I hear that's what happens in Is it here or Liberia? Like, uh, from America. You are expecting money to come from America. No. Don't do that. Don't do that. If God called you, God will support what he has called you to do. Can I have a, a big amen to that? Yeah. Don't sit here in Freetown or in Saloon expecting help to come from somewhere. If it can come, fine. But what I'm saying, don't expect it. Don't expect it. God can raise your church up and bless you and send you to the whole world. Wow. When you build a mega church, when you come to Accra, we have built the largest, as of now, the largest private tertiary campus in the whole of Ghana. A church. Without money, one dollar coming from anywhere. Our own churches. Our own churches. This is money from our own churches. Beautiful campus. That at one point can take thousands of people. 
the great hall at the campus can sit at every given time over 4,000 people. Build at the church. We build a hospital. We have the largest orphanage in Ghana. Huge. We bring in children to look after them. Free of charge. All the money is from our churches. What am I saying? I'm saying that that is why you must desire the church to be big. And also not one church, but a lot of churches. A lot of churches. Because you see, if your main church can give you $500 a month, and then you have 50 other branches, some are giving you to uh, 150 uh, when you put it together in a month you can easily have $2,000 and you'll be able to do a lot hallelujah how many of you are going to have a mega church so it's a mega church a good idea so how many of you are happy that Bishop Lager has put together a conference and the team is make us a thousand times more why don't you clap your hands for the Lord May the Lord make you a thousand times more. May the Lord make you a thousand times more. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, this is what I want you to do. Alright, tomorrow, when you are coming, I want you to bring an envelope. And in that envelope, I want you to write your vision for the type of church that you want to have in the next five years. Put it in it and bring it. Hallelujah. Bring it into the service. And as you sit in the service, pray and tell the Lord, let it come to pass. Let it come to pass. And in five years' time, God is going to take you higher. You are going to have a mega church. I see you sitting in a mega church. I see you in a big church. I see you having branches all over Sarion and outside Sarion in the name of the Lord Jesus. Stand your feet and lift up your hands and receive that blessing and thank God for it. Just thank God for it. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. Lift up your hands. Tell the Lord, I receive the mega church. Lift up your hands and tell the Lord, give me the mega church now. Make me a mega church pastor. Give me churches all over Sarum and beyond in the name of Jesus. Bring increase, bring growth in the name of Jesus. Use me, O oh God, use me, O oh God, to bring other people into your kingdom. We thank you. Look up your voice and pray. 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 Add a lot to do it. Add a lot to do it. Add a lot to do it. Recut to the music of a kappa. Rabushabasabaki Aliatalaba. Father, make me a mega church pastor. Make me a mega church pastor. Lift up your voice and tell it. Lord, make me a mega church pastor. Lord, make me a mega church pastor. Lord, please increase my church from 50 to 100. From 100 to 200. From 200 to 300. Increase me, O God. Increase my church, O God. Give me more branches, Lord. Give me more branches, Lord. We pray for a mega church. We pray for a mega church. We pray for a large church. We pray for a large church. 
we pray for a large Lord, we lift that anointing. 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 We lift that anointing, Lord. The anointing to plant large churches. The anointing to grow our churches. The anointing to grow our churches. We lift that anointing, Lord. What does he bring up? been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International Light of the World Cathedral Collegon. Opposite the Collegon main gate. Please note our service times. English services, early rain service 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. His presence service 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And love and faith service 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Other languages, L'Eglise Glorious French, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Love and Victory, Gain, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And Love and Hope, Tree, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant Youth Church also starts at 12 noon to 2 p.m. Be part of our midweek importation service this and every Tuesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. prompts. For prayer, counseling and further inquiries, Please call 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. The numbers again, 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. God bless you.